0: Come on in. We were just talking. Welcome to the Open Marriage Podcast candid conversations about life, marriage, and parenting. More honesty than polyamory, but we talk about it all. I'm Summer, and I'm joined in conversation by my husband, Jason. Okay, the kids are fed pancakes have been eaten we're getting some time to sit
1: absolutely Uh, we're into the covers tucked up with the duvet up leaning back against the wall very comfortable and ready to open this thing up Mm. see what i did there
0: hope you have good saturday vibes wherever you are and whatever day you're listening
1: shouldn't we start off like with a fight or an argument just to set up this episode
0: oh well we did start off with a fight we were meant to record last saturday And instead, we started a fight. We're going to talk about fighting today. No, we're not. We have a long list of different topic ideas that we want to dive into. And of course, fighting's on there. And communication maybe is the more positive slant. But we had talked about which ones we're looking to do in the near short term. And that made the list. And then all of a sudden, we were in the middle of a fight. So we couldn't record that day. I don't wish fighting on anyone, but it's inevitable. And you know, our fight broke out very unexpectedly, it caught everybody by surprise, happened in the kitchen and in front of the kids. And it was just like we were in it before we could stop ourselves. And our oldest, our son was in there. And you could just see him like squirming in his skin, he wanted to leave so bad. It ended up just in talking with him and trying to To think through fighting because we go back and forth, you and I, between how valuable we think fighting is. Sometimes it seems extremely beneficial, and other times you feel like, gosh, I wish we could not do that. But I found myself telling Liam, it was a chance to try and help him understand that while we don't want to do that in front of him and acknowledge it doesn't feel good, we're still okay. Like you and I are still going to have little tiffs where we blow up like siblings at each other just because. That's how relationships work sometimes. and
1: I think that moment of having a fight, if you're uncomfortable with anger or if you grew up in a home where where visible displays of anger were aggressively squashed and demonized and stigmatized, then it can feel like this relationship just went off the rails or we screwed up. It's a very fine line. I'm having to learn how to fight fair, but I used to not be able to fight. I used to just be this very passive, like a little bit of a doormat sort of presence of other people can raise their voice at me. I'm I will just go into my little inner, quiet, little safe place. and <laughs> You
0: definitely freeze. You don't fight back uh, I, and you don't run. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> You're am, like frozen I, statue.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, that feels really right to me. I was listening to a, a really well-known Canadian psychologist. He got asked in a Q&A, what's your advice to married couples? And his advice was actually... You need to fight. And I was so taken off guard. I was running along. I have like my AirPods and I was listening to a Q&A at the end of one of his talks. And I was like, what? The one piece of advice out of anything, it's not take a date night once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, these like really cliche kind of things. Mm-hmm. I was so taken off guard. I like really zoned into what he was going to say next. And he just said, it is so important that you push and pull to get to the truth. But it has to be that you're fighting to an outcome that is taking you both to a better place and it can't be a fight where one of you is going to win because if one of you wins then the relationship loses one partner feels the other partner just drove a jeep over the top of them and left tread marks on their face like it doesn't feel good to have somebody dunk on you but it needs to be vigorous and it's okay if it gets impassioned because that is a sign of like healthy emotional engagement in the relationship and so where I get like on that Saturday thing to bring it back, I got impassioned i I got annoyed, I raised my voice in my own kind of body in the moment it it felt like I was standing up for myself. I don't even remember what the exact exchange was. I'm sure you do and I'm sure you will give us the script right now and remind us and it will be make me look like a total idiot. But like in the moment I just felt like wow, it, it still it actually felt good to be raising my voice and saying, "No, I'm I'm actually drawing a line here because I don't feel like I'm being treated fairly in this moment." However, I'm I did not navigate this situation in a good way, because the better part of a week, at least four days or so of really icy uh, emotional distance and flybys with like, I could tell that I was like, gosh, she is like, really wants nothing to do with me and is, forgive the presumption if that's not the case, but you just, you know, that you get the vibes when... Every man, like you know, even though we have this stereotype around men just being these Neanderthal-like, emotionally uh, ignoramus uh, kind of species, we know when our spouse is mad at us. Like, even if it's like very sorry, could subtle, you state that
0: for the record, please? One more time.
1: We know when our spouse is mad at us. Mm,
0: okay, you hear that? <laughs> why?
1: Like, why is why? why does why do you see us on that line? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess I seize on that line because it feels like there can sometimes be a disparity between who is recognizing what's going on emotionally and who's ignoring it. Too often feels more like we're the ones who are carrying the baggage of what's playing out. Unfortunately, it feels like the guys are absolving themselves of it. That's why I seize on it because I feel like, hmm, okay, so you do know that it's important to start with the facts yeah yeah I'm not subtle. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> trying to be subtle <laughs> you are
1: you are not subtle. you are not subtle and and fair enough because you're angry, and angry people should seem angry if not, I think they're being dishonest or disingenuous. I grew up. The situation at home was very much to be angry is to be in sin and you don't show anger and if you do show anger or if you are shouting mad. And then the UPS dude shows up at the door. You open the door and you're like, hi there, how's it going? Oh, cool, a package. And then you close the door and go back to screw it again. It's like, (laughs) what? (laughs) I learned how to pick up on, but it wasn't usually outbursts of anger. Like It was usually, you could just tell something was off and you kind of knew that there was something not right, but you couldn't quite place it it because it was passive aggression, which... You can dial up and down and like it can feel very crazy making.
0: Mm, mm -hmm. I'm reminded we need to clarify what we mean by fighting and anger because there's every which way to do that. And in our situation, we're just fighting, you know, in conversation, raising our voices. We've definitely gone through seasons where we're fighting more than others. And we've had even the kids say like, oh, you're You're always fighting, and to them they're so sensitive. they just mean like me rolling my eyes at you or something.
1: <laughs> I can think of a few situations where Liam would say, "Stop fighting, and I'm not fighting i'm we're having an impassioned conversation, but he anytime our speech gets elevated or is very intense, he thinks that is has this like violent kind of overtone to it. I guess. But it really doesn't. In my mind it doesn't. There was that one time in the car you were stopped on a hill and you were trying to you were trying to back off into the Anytime
0: I'm in a car on a hill, it's not a good scene.
1: Yeah, but you were not following my instructions. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling you, just roll onto the pavement and then your tires will catch. Instead you like floored the gas and did exactly what I knew was going to happen where it started flinging mud up onto the glass and it and your tires were just spinning in dirt. and I was turn it this way on so that you roll onto the pavement and then Liam was stop fighting <laughs> so, in my mind that wasn't a fight
0: this brings up an interesting point looking at fighting within a family and how it goes both ways and I don't think we have the censorship right. We're trying to preserve and protect certain aspects, and we should. And yet, I feel like we look at the kids and constantly referee. Stop hitting your brother. Stop whatever. You guys stop fighting. Leave each other alone. Take a break. And it's no big deal, and nobody feels threatened. But yet, when the parents are having these very similar, very normal interactions with one another. The kids can feel destabilized. And I just wonder, kind of going back to where we started, is the process about teaching them, like, is there a learning curve in that for them of it, it all seems very normal to us. And yet, their little tiffs seem normal to them and just helping them come to that understanding that this is really a part of life, you know, misunderstanding, anger, upset. Conflict resolution. None of this stuff is going anywhere. It has a place. It serves a purpose, but yet it can feel really unsettling. And I, I think that's probably natural. And I think that becomes our work to model it as best we can and include them and help them metabolize and process what's going on in that dynamic. What, what's happening between my parents right now? Is this normal? Should I be scared?
1: Yeah. There was a book that was very popular in my house uh, growing up, because it was a very sort of American Christian evangelical uh, house, and there's a very famous Christian American evangelical author, or at least he was very popular a few years ago, named James Dobson, and he had this book called The Strong-Willed Child, I think it was called. It was all about like how to staunch the disagreeable or fighting or stubborn urges in a child to get them to comply, to get them to obey and be compliant and nicely subordinate, <laughs> you know, which is, yeah, which is easier, easier. in the short term. Mm. Uh, you know, that has devastating like blow up consequences in the long term, because there's usually a buildup of pressure and that doesn't get to vent and then like a kettle with the vent taped shut eventually that it's gonna explode i think that's just it's such a clear example of like well-intentioned teaching he's trying to create a peaceful home but so often we think of peace as just measuring like doing putting up a decibel reader or something in the air and saying okay it's not above a certain mark like it's Everything's peaceful, and that just does not take into account what's happening in the subterranean. We know that a volcano does not explode, you know, in an instant. That that is pressure and this build-up of magma close to the surface for centuries, or you know, potentially longer. I think we just have to allow for to start to feel safe when weather patterns look very intense and and realize that we need all kinds of weather in terms of the emotional life Mm. of a marriage or family.
0: I love comparing weather patterns to our emotional states because they do come and go. And honestly, what surfaced when we were able to sit down and talk about that was that it wasn't just that moment. It was a buildup of all these unexpressed un Talking about the kitchen situation. Yeah. Yeah. That that fight and and probably all fights. We have a lot of leeway within families. Like we all shovel a lot of shit and we all take it, you know, back and forth and that's kind of the generosity of living together. But sometimes we don't, at least I find this for myself. I don't realize when I've taken more than I feel comfortable taking. Until it's too late, and then that's when I tend to blow, where it's just like, oh wait i I'm no longer comfortable with whatever the situation is taking what I mean whatever' is at play, it changes from each one, but using the most recent
1: i th- we I don't think we've talked about what happened in this example we've we've talked about it a lot, but haven't actually said what the flare up was about in the moment. do you remember? I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> it was very important. It was a we, very important. We talk uh, about mm-hmm. how
0: our poor memory really helps our marriage as it's, well. It's so a good thing. Yeah. Good yeah. Thing. It re- recommend it. Dementia. Everybody <laughs> go get it. What was that we were fighting about last week? Uh,
1: <laughs> Do you, re- you're not going to, re- you don't remember. <laughs> I Maybe I mean, Liam, because he's going to remember it forever. Because he's <laughs> going to be recounting it in like script like detail to his therapist uh, 20 years from now. <laughs>
0: I remember what we talked about better than I do what actually happened. And so the issues, as I remember them, that came up when we talked about the fight were I was feeling and observing regular incidences of a lack of manners or passive-aggressive encounters on your part with oh yeah that we're kind of building it like getting short with the kids when you had just walked in from you'd been in the office all day and then you walk in to sit down and have dinner and you say something critical nitpick
1: yeah like, and it's just, just like dude you yeah. just
0: walked into the room so i guess to not make it about all these specific things it was this sense of feeling like okay you get all of your time and space and then you come into ours and you like rip a fart in the room I know I was like is she gonna use that analogy I mean I love
1: analogies it's not a good one but But
0: everyone gets uh, it it's like damn like hey
1: yeah just
0: don't you just hold that in for a second
1: like stop (laughs) the open we're gonna change the name of the podcast to the open sphincter Uh. you
0: always take it too far
1: well, hey, you took it there. We're we're going full poo emojis. Just bringing just souring the air, souring the atmosphere. Yeah. I totally get it and yeah. I cop to it. Yeah. Um so this is not the point where I then try to, you know, make all these justifications. It happens and we talked about it in the conversation where we, you know, set the table and kind of looked at everything that there is this dynamic of I'm experiencing discomforts that are not unique to me that everyone experiences in a family where all of us have little ticks that, you know, annoy each other. All of us have little triggers. Liam gets angry with me. If I Make any audible noise while eating,
0: Mm-mm. chewing
1: loudly. Chewing loudly. You,
0: you sound like a bit of a horse.
1: I sound like a horse
0: <laughs> when you eat. It's like your back jaws are just really strong, and your teeth like crash.
1: I'm, I'm doing aggressive. I'm just giving ag- an example. I'm doing aggressive mindful meditation right now. <laughs> to,
0: okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit and listen again. Yeah, we all we
1: all have this ticks. To live together takes a lot of grace and it takes like very minute to minute letting things go. And so I think when any stress builds up in any other area and that I, I think of it as the the tendon that, you know, connects our, or like shields our bones from grinding together it, or brake pads, you know whatever on a car whatever that buffer is that absorbs that shock like it can get worn down by anything. You have all these things that are just enough of a mental irritant that you're problem solving and you're and we know that the reason they put candy in the checkout line is that as you're walking around the store, you're using all of this self-control to not get all the processed foods, to not get the cookies, resisting all this temptation. And that's actually a finite currency. And they've shown in scientific studies that you have more of it at the start of the day than you do at the end of the day that you're more likely to fall off of your diet and eat a pint of ice cream at the end of the day or drink five beers at the end of the day you know it's that's when we have the least self control and so that fight that was just me not being self aware of okay i'm i'm feeling just a general level of stress and threat. And so I need to be really careful right now because I could just make life really miserable for the people around me.
0: We had had a really good conversation that morning after having not connected much through the weeks because of work and just time demands. And then we had our conversation and it's really interesting looking back to see we we literally went from a point of connection downstairs to make breakfast for the kids and then Fit into each other, which makes me think of the safety that that security can bring in allowing things to surface. Because you you hear this with parents too, talking about quality time with their kids. How frustrated they get when, like, I gave you, I made sure we had this amazing time, and then you're crying, and and, and it's just like this missing that that's actually how these things work. When they have a point where they can feel safe. And secure and like they have our time and attention then they will allow these other things to surface that are less pleasant and require this kind of safety and we're so good at at getting mad that they've like dampened the mood which you know there's room for that too and yet the stuff has to come out so it's kind of funny looking back at the timing of our own little squabble there because i thought that was weird that it happened right after that I'm curious for your thoughts on fighting. Throughout the course of our marriage, we've really swung. I came into it with outward aggression, and you came into it with passive aggression. Yep. And we've gone back and forth on how beneficial we think that is. Of course, when I'm screaming, I think, this is good. We should be screaming at each other. (laughs) When I'm being screamed at, I'm like, we should work on our manners. It's interesting that you're kind of coming in to your own take on that, and I've I always find that beneficial. What do you feel about fighting these days and how has it changed?
1: My thoughts on fighting are that I need to see some kind of lesion or visible wound in order to understand the severity of of what's happening. There's just enough (laughs) justification for denial when... Like like I said earlier, when nobody's raising their voice and everything looks superficially calm, to me, that is like the sickness that is the internal bleeding, that you don't go to the doctor, you don't, you know, you don't get it checked out because you have that out to tell yourself, oh, there's nothing, doesn't feel good, but... Like, I can't see anything that looks particularly wrong here. So I'm just going to let it go because that just seems like a lot of work and discomfort to deal with it. But when somebody is shouting or crying, when there's that really undeniable, big, you know, colorful outburst, and so it doesn't feel good, I don't like being screamed at, I sh- I wither inside when I feel like it even though I know it is not done from a place of I'm going to kill you and like your life is in danger. <laughs> it just the f- the force of it feels like I'm in danger. Like it feels like there's threat because of how powerful it sounds, the volume and the, the strength of it. And, but it is helpful for me to be able to separate force of emotion and passion from actual violence.
0: From anger and danger.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I needed that because we couldn't keep, the status quo was not working for us and i think when it got really placid that was when it got re- our relationship got really imperiled the darkest times of our relationship was where it just got very very calm and very quiet and very isolated from one another the fact that we raised our voices the other morning means we're still invested in this thing. We still want this relationship to work. What would you say to the same question that you posed to me?
0: Fighting for us like any skill in life, it is a learning curve and we've come into it with our respective ways. And I think acknowledging what did it look like in your family of origin is important and talking about that honestly with each other because It's my ambition to be able to say what I want to say, full honesty and everything, but with manners and kindness. I am not there yet, but that is not at all my history so far. And so I have a lot to overcome when it comes to what's been modeled and what is my default mode. And for me, anger has been about scarcity of just, oh my God, I, I have to say this now in whatever way it comes out because I might lose my chance. I might lose my nerve. I won't be heard. It's that place of childishness in me where I have to say this this way and, and you have to hear it. And for me, it's a process of as I am able to be heard, and that's key, I'm able to transform some of those unhelpful Aspects of the way we fight. And yet, for you, it's almost working in reverse, I see, because you started at a place where some might look at and call peaceful fighting. I would not, as a beneficiary and like someone who's been in that, it wasn't peaceful, even though it looked very different from me. Yet, what I see is you kind of overcoming that. And we're both kind of in a middle ground right now where you're more expressive and beginning to be okay with that in your voice. And I'm trying to tone down my expressiveness, not my honesty, but how it needs to come out. And I I think we'll cross. I wonder, will we cross and where will we land?
1: I wanted to inject the Tim Ferriss quote. He has this amazing quote in his first book, The Four Hour Workweek, which is about like entrepreneurship and stuff. But he, he says, a person's success in life are directly proportional to the number of difficult conversations that he or she is willing to have mm-hmm. and he's talking about it in a in a business context like being willing to cold call that celebrity who's like in your field who you want to mentor you or asking somebody to work with you a vendor who you think is out of your league but just having all these uncomfortable conversations. These are just the physical constants of the universe. And that's why every successful author has their tagline, the purpose-driven life for business, the purpose-driven life for family. Mr. Perel has her business version of her couples counseling thing, which is great, like because all of these things, you know, do need to be applied to all of these different spheres of life. But you could read the same book and literally just swap out the the pronouns from home to workplace, because it's just human relationships. And I feel like the fights are just those uncomfortable conversations of there is something that needs to be communicated. Mm. And it's either trapped inside, and it needs to come out. And if it's suppressed, because difficult things, we tend to suppress them because they don't They feel threatening. So when they do come out, they usually come out in ways that are unseemly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's going to come out. It's not a question of will it or won't it. If you are doing anything creative or expressive, the things that are in you, especially the unresolved issues are going to come out in those spaces. It's like a Ouija board. (laughs) Like you just start moving that planchette around and it's going to start spelling out your secrets. If it's going to come out anyway, why not have it come out in a direct way where you can actually resolve those open psychological gaps and close them and have resolution? Because isn't that what we want? We want resolution. It's all of those open gaps that just stick in our brain that hound us forever the things we can't let go, the things like the resentments, the grudges, everything, the reason those will stick in people's minds until their dying day, that they just never got resolution.
0: Well, let's talk about that because part of why even that little fight went on for a few days was definitely a sense of, I don't want to go here. This is... It's heavy, it's hard, it's draining. We talked about this after the fact. And how do we help ourselves have these conversations? And I say that coming from two people who we are already quite keen and willing to talk about this stuff. And yet it's exhausting. And how do we change this? It is better to come out ahead and be direct. And yet we still don't want to.
1: Scheduling a time to talk about it. I like that better then
0: is it just holding your feet to the fire the accountability of this is this is going to happen i don't want to talk now but i'm calling it we're both going to make ourselves sit down and it's kind of what happened with us i had already called let's talk tomorrow morning i came home from being out on a walk and it was just like i don't want another crappy night's sleep and i also don't want to spend my morning coffee having this conversation there was a sense of Can we get this out of the way? (laughs) Yeah, on my part, which is fine. It motivated me, I guess.
1: No human being is going to look forward to those conversations. When I talk about the idea of setting a time for that conversation, just scheduling it, part of me is like, oh, that's that just gives you something to dread, (laughs) you know? That Jason Killingsworth, please report to the principal's office tomorrow at three p.m. Yeah, so that that you're going to spend you know, however many intervening hours, getting stomach ulcers. I also feel a little bit of like my tenseness in my shoulders relaxes a little bit when I know that the conversation is going to happen. Because Mm. we've gotten resolution, like when we get together and we talk about stuff, we have a 1,000 batting average Mm. for coming back from those conversations. And so the more you do that, the more you have a difficult conversation and you restore the broken connection between you and you bounce back, the more it builds up that level of trust in that relationship. It's just like public speaking. Like everybody's afraid of public speaking because some part of our monkey mind says, if everyone is looking at me, there's more of them than there are me. And if they don't like something I say, they're all going to come running at me. Some part of our amygdala is telling us that. But the more you do it and you don't die. Stand-up comics are like the best at this. I think we need to study at their feet because they get up and they try out new jokes and stuff bombs and they just experiment and sometimes they get a laugh and then they tweak it for the next show and then they and then they get like a really big laugh and they experiment so fearlessly they just become bulletproof and so i think having these fights every time you work through it it's growing feeling of i am an immortal godlike creature (laughs) (laughs) like you could you can throw anything at me and i'm gonna be just fine okay i'll try that next time (laughs) no i'm so scared (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean though i know what you mean just feel that much more confident in in us Mm -hmm. like we keep coming back so like why should i doubt that the next time that's going to be the disagreement that's going to end our marriage or whatever that worst case disaster scenario is for the person who's afraid of being rejected.
0: And are we really afraid of those things in the moment? Like, I'm, that never comes to my mind. Does that come to yours when you think about our conflict and fighting? No, it doesn't. I, I'm, yeah. I,
1: I'm thinking like, what would I be afraid of, of that 3pm conversation that we schedule a day away? Like, what would be the reason to be afraid of that conversation?
0: I feel that way because it's hard it's difficult. I don't like hard or difficult things. I like things to be easy and understood and efficient. And so there's real discomfort around like, oh my God, I'm going to have to tread lightly here. I know that I don't do it well often. And so I resist. Those are the discomforts that I worry about. And how will I be perceived? Will I hurt this person unintentionally? They're not conscious and we might associate that kind of fear and pain and dread with these bigger ideas of like, oh, will, will this be the end? Will he leave me? But we're kind of missing what is there that's actually hard to hold is that how uncomfortable it is for us. But we have to do it. it I guess I'm, I'm listening and I'm thinking, oh, this is like self-care. This is exercise. This is mental health. This is relational health. We have to lean in to the challenges. We just do. There's no way around them. You can put them off to give yourself a little break, but it's not going to go well if you continue to do that. And so at some point, you just muster up and like, oh, we have to deal with this, which maybe that's not so challenging for a lot of people, but it really is for me. And I know you know that because you're like, yeah, that girl could put off some stuff for a while, (laughs) yeah, a long time, years I also really, really dislike emotional discomfort, and I think that's yeah. what keeps us fighting. That I,
1: keeps us fighting because you're not willing to carry that yeah. that unresolved tension.
0: Yeah, it's like there are two evils, and one of them is greater. and And to me, what pushes me through one, it's difficult to fight, and two, it's difficult to resolve it. I have to get to the other side. I just I don't do well holding. Well, you do you do you and I'll do me. <laughs> I was like, oh no.
1: Do you remember that Alain de Baton quote that I I told you a while back about? He uses it in the context of writing where he says, the moment at which you finally start writing is the point at which the fear of doing it badly becomes less scary than the fear of never doing it at all.
0: Mm. That's such a good one.
1: Let's just pretend he was talking about fighting. Hmm. Because there is a fear of doing it badly. I think that's what you were saying when you were talking about... Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I'm dreading this because yeah. I'm just going to crush this person's spirit. And he has a very fragile, delicate spirit. <laughs> he is a <laughs> fragile little flower uh, <laughs> who the, the tiniest, um, stern word will cause to quake like a little dandelion in a hurricane I keep bouncing back you, mm, know. you do and that has been true of me in the past it's interesting how your fear was that you're gonna hurt me and that's n- never my fear coming into those fights that I'm gonna hurt you my fear is always I'm not gonna survive this fight <laughs> 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 like, She's Not going wrong. to kill me, <laughs> and I am going to die. <laughs> it's so funny how we, how we like know what the dynamic is of what the fears are, based on personality type. <laughs> You're canceling the podcast, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I keep surviving, and you show up, and you find a way to get through it. And we're never Olympic figure skaters in this fighting game the triple reverse lutz uh, you know whatever the technical jargon <laughs> is. we do tend to slash our carotid ar- artery with the uh you know the ice skate blade as we're like doing the trick but we bounce back <laughs> 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 like these things are hard you know
0: these things are hard and we do bounce back i do kind of want to rope back in the the family dynamic because I think it is so important, and I think we are trying to figure it out of just how we
1: how you fight around kids
0: yeah, how we model that, and there's a lot to talk about around that, but I guess just using this particular example, it really opened a conversation between myself and Liam, and he's ten, like he's about to come into a lot of testosterone and rage and anger, and there is a part of me that it's so hard to accept that I even need to have that conversation because I want to be perfect and I want to shield him from all of that. But I found myself there talking to him just like the charade is up. He sees us. He gets that we're not perfect and we do fight. And I guess I just finally embraced it as an opportunity to let's talk real about this and I don't want you to feel uncomfortable and you're, you're welcome to leave the room at any time. And he also fed back to me like, mommy might, you guys probably just needed to step away from each other. And just, he said that. Yeah. Cause well, that's, what, well, that's I, what we tell him. Th- exactly. It's <laughs> like, you guys, this is okay. This is big energy. Let's just separate, you know, like yeah, yeah. we don't need it to escalate. We also don't need to pretend that it's not there. Like we, we probably could have just separated a few minutes earlier and then come back to it, but it's all practice, isn't it? I think just owning that with them and helping explain best you can to reassure them while not completely trying to pretend that it's otherwise. Lying to them, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, that's what we have to figure out. I think you are really good at hearing me out. My work is realizing that and trusting it a lot sooner. And just being honest when I'm still calm and able to say something. And I really appreciate that you you do hang in there through the irrationality. You are very generous with your benefit of the doubt. And it goes a long way, which is interesting because you started this conversation that way of just we have to extend a lot of grace to one another. Yeah, I and mean, you, yeah, yeah. you really do model that. And it is a lot to hold. It's a lot of emotion and anger and sometimes aggression coming at you. And so honestly,
1: I've been watching people fight on social media. Everyone is stressed out and just emotionally maxed out and upset because of the multiple overlapping horrible things that are happening in the world, you know, Innocent people getting murdered, global pandemic, all these things like everybody's stressed and they need a punching bag to unload on. And on social media, it's so easy when you are stressed to assume the worst, the worst intention, the most malignant impulse in our own marriages, in our own relationships, we need to make a practice, a discipline of assuming that we are all well intentioned.
0: That's a good challenge.
1: The company that I'm kind of wrapping up uh, my employment with, part of the company culture document, assume good intentions on the part of your colleagues. If you see some behavior or something that is upsetting to you, start from a place of assuming good intentions and work from there. It's so wise to do that. It's it's so much more productive because when you start from that baseline, you take away the defensiveness of that other person because they don't feel attacked. You're coming to that conversation with curiosity rather than judgment and condemnation and... And we need to be curious. Mm -hmm.
0: It's a lot to ask. I hear you. And that is the challenge. And I guess from a mother's perspective, I think it has a lot to ask because you have to learn that. And children, we're the worst at assuming the worst of children. We think we know what they're thinking, why they're doing that. You need to say sorry. We're so quick to jump on and judge their behavior. And we get it. So wrong. Mm, and so mm-hmm. you think, like, gosh, we're all grown ups in this world where none of that charity has been extended to us on any regular basis. A lot of us, I mean, yeah, there are some. Some people, we're, we're really trying. It is so tough because it's, it's asking a lot to begin with. And then it's asking a lot from people who don't have experience with that. And I'm speaking to myself and, and in general, and what I see, like, this is hard shit. And yet we have to call each other to it. So that's what I find happening in our marriage. And then you're absolutely right. It ripples out into every area of life, even all the way to social media.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They say that if you want to observe someone's true character, look at the way that they treat their ideological opponents. Because anybody can be nice to people they agree with, to people that are on board with everything they think. And yet now when there's this strain of thought within culture, that if somebody has a disagreement with you, or sees the world a slightly different way, or has a different read on things, that they are a toxic human being, that they're invalidating your viewpoint or they're gaslighting you. And I think for us to live together, and again, this is where it operates on multiple levels in a family, in a society, because I don't see any differences between these things. These are just groups of human beings. To operate in a ongoing way to get closer to the truth, we need to have difficult conversations with each other. Call them fights, call them debates, call them... Conflict conflict free and open speech call them whatever you want it's messy but we need to be able to listen to each other with curiosity and with an open mind and with a spirit of if somebody is disagreeing with me they might know something that i don't and if we can do that then and if i can come into our those conversations where we're going to hash something out with that kind of openness of like that will serve you well. <laughs> it will, because like you're a very emotionally astute person. You have a really good read on things. And almost like, you know, there's restaurants that take your phone before you sit down at the table so that they force the couple showing up for their date at the restaurant to like actually talk to one another instead of just being on their phones all evening. You set your pride in that little phone carrier, like at the door, mm-hmm. and you go into the room where you're going to have that conversation with this expectation that that person's going to tell you something uncomfortable about some habit of being some way you relate in the within the family dynamic and that's what happened in ours and you talked about the the way that the kids kind of tense up when i'm around because I'm very judgmental and very just very short fused with them and very negative and kind of default to negativity and because i was able to hear that without the defensiveness because I expected to learn something and because I know that you love me and that you wouldn't even tell me if you didn't, if you didn't care about me, you would not even have the conversation because as we've said, it's difficult to have these conversations. So the fact that you are there in that conversation means you care and... I just wanna thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it got so cheesy all of a sudden. I was like, I cannot. We need some comic relief. I like it. It's well timed. I, I was like, I cannot. I cannot do this like emotional thank you. <laughs> like it's just swelling, but, <laughs> swelling strings and, uh, but uh, but I am appreci- I am I am genuinely appreciative because this morning. I've been very upbeat and positive with the kids and very you know, affectionate. And it's just such a different, like I can feel the different way in which they respond to me. Like the energy is so pronounced in terms mm. of mm. you get like for like. Mm. And
0: you get what you put out, huh? You yeah. get what you give. Is that the thing?
1: Yeah. When you give love, people open up. And when you put up negativity, people close up. It's this very simple dynamic of love causes things to expand, and fear and negativity cause things to cower, withdraw, contract, close off. Mm -hmm. Curiosity expands, judgment contracts. Every aspect of life, we need to be able to voice differing opinions And trust that if we are talking to people who are communicating in good faith, I mean, it has to be premised on that. Like, this isn't just any human being. There are people who just want to be abusive because they're angry or resentful. And that doesn't mean you need to listen to that person and take on board what they're saying. I mean, that can be a recipe for like, complete emotional and anxiety, panic attack. If you just take on board everything, you need a filter. But people who are, are good intentioned, and the person you married, you married them for a reason, you were willing to hitch your life onto theirs, because you felt like that's a human being that I'm going to spend a lot of time around that person. <laughs> <laughs> 50 years <laughs> to pull a random number out of the air since my parents celebrated their 50th anniversary yesterday. If you cared enough about that person to like, potentially spend 50 years with them, then they probably have something worth hearing. Mm. And they might learn something from you. I have to flip it around. <laughs> <laughs> Just to reassert some kind of, some kind of dignity. <laughs> I'm not a doormat.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: It goes both ways. Yeah.
0: Can I be close to you? Can I be close to you? Thank you so much for listening and sharing your time with us. Let's all keep the conversations going. If you're curious for more of ours, subscribe and hear it all. Until next time, be well.